For Your Information is brought to you by that old phone booth off the highway. Remember phone booths? Those were fun. Warning, phone booth does not include phone or seven button. Phone responsibly. Ladies and gentlemen, live from coast to coast, we proudly present For Your Information with Zach and John. to each other and party on dude welcome to for your information a podcast about good movies better cocktails and and best best friends friends. we're your hosts zach zachary graham and john redacted esquire (laughs) and this week we're covering the 1989 classic that's in quotations uh bill and ted's excellent adventure Welcome. So, what we normally do here on this show is we uh, watch movies that John hasn't seen, and sometimes they coincide with uh, releases of sequels to these films or films that are related. And uh, this is one of those weeks. Uh, Bill and Ted face the music out in theaters now. Not sponsored. Wish we were, though. That would be dope. That would be anyway, really, really good. Yeah, we could make some money on this thing. We could make some money on it uh, by telling people, you know, like what they could easily look up on the internet. <laughs> um, yeah. But, you know, it is what it is. It that is, is what, what it most is. ads are. That is what most ads are. It's also what most podcasts are. Anyway, it's in a much more fun format, or at least I hope it's fun for you. Anyway, so the basis of this podcast is that John has not seen a lot of movies, and this week is no different. But I'm actually kind of appalled that you haven't seen Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Like, we loved movies like this in, like, middle school and early high school, so it actually, it's bonkers that you haven't seen this. How the fuck did you manage to not see this, John? Um, I, good question, because I even remember these characters making an appearance in the ultimate showdown of ultimate destiny and i had no idea who they were you just brought back a memory i didn't want to remember i had ah yeah 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 but here it is and so they're in that and uh you know I i had no idea what was going on um i don't know i saw wayne's world uh, it's kind of an adjacent film, right? Yeah, I would say it's adjacent. And, you know, there's a lot of people that say Bill and Ted is stupid, but they love Wayne's World. And I only have one thing to say to you people. Bill and Ted walked so that Wayne and Garth could fucking run. Right. And don't D- you forget it. Just like how, uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit ran so the Space Jam could fucking dunk. <laughs> Mary Poppins started walking so that fucking Who Framed Roger Rabbit could start the, start the run running and the dribbling and then space jam could just dunk it into all of eternity and we don't need any more live action cartoon crossovers because they don't happen anymore yeah they yeah tried yeah one more looney tunes one and that fucking tanked it. it's probably because they had brendan Fraser in it um he'll come back in this episode believe it or not so if you like brendan Fraser, cool and if you don't sorry remember christopher walken so christopher nolan I, that's absolutely not how that works anyway so how did you feel about the movie john now now that you've seen it like what what are your thoughts um it was fun uh, it was tons of fun uh it was uh almost brainless but uh ultimately has uh, a good message which i guess is uh i, I don't know friends help out friends uh um, don't give up on the band which i have done many times um, we, we, we have given up on bands together that's true that's true uh, i thought it was funny how like we were in like a one-time band in high school for a battle of the bands and uh someone put in my yearbook that year like i hope this band goes far i'm like do you really could not tell that we 
we just did this for the Battle of the Bands. We it wasn't the intention to just do it for Battle of the Bands, but after doing Battle of the Bands, we were like, this should be a one-time thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we it's like we tried, we gave it a valiant effort, we went out in front of people, we didn't get booed, so that's cool. I think we could have came up with a better name. Uh, we were the Wall Street Kids. Ah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, after the video game for the Nintendo Entertainment System. We definitely could have had a way better name. Because, like, I think... Because we wanted to go with a video game uh, name. And I suggested Jet Set Radio. And I think that would have been a way cooler name for a band. Yeah, you're probably right. But you know what? Uh, this is different. Uh, what is it? Wild <laughs> Stallions is a pretty Wild good band name. Wild Stallions. Yeah. Goodbye, horses. Sorry. <laughs> Anytime I hear Wild Stallions, I don't know why that comes to mind oh also that uh reba mcintyre song just like them horses ah right and that uh rolling stones <laughs> song wild horses wild horses wild stallions just like them horses i've never even heard the reba mcintyre song i just always think about like the the clip art uh-huh. that's on youtube when you look up uh just like them horses and it's like what the fuck is this it like it makes you think that someone's gonna be fucking a horse in this video i don't like this equus bullshit <laughs> or horse shit as the case may be I'm I'm so happy that you're making a highbrow reference like Equus. Equus is highbrow. He bangs a stable full of horses. Uh, if, not necessarily that the concept is highbrow, but that like you know, it's not like you said like oh you, they're gonna go fuck spirit stallion of the Semeron, I guess. All right, like, no. You, you went Equus. Uh, I. It would just be weird to pick a kid's animated movie for that Switch, reference. Switchfoot's in it. It's fair game. Uh, th- I, that is not Switchfoot. That that is a totally different group. Are you sure? I'm pretty sure it's Switchfoot. Okay, so basically, uh, when I moved out here to California, I drove across the country with my wife, and we went through like uh, New Mexico and uh, Arizona, and like the scenery out there actually kind of looks like that movie. And we were like, oh wow, it's just like you see in all the pictures. And so she started playing that music, and I was like, is this Spirit Stallion? to the Simran? And they're like, oh yeah, yeah, it actually is. And I was like, man, I thought this was like the most banging worship album of 2017. Yeah, okay, you're right. It's not Switchfoot. Oh god. I. It's by Brian Adams. I. Yeah, that one guy with, you know, he's bald and he has eyeliner and he has the really long fingers and he's in that one TV show. Yeah, no, but um, Spirit Stelly the Simran came out in 2002? Uh, yeah. Jesus Christ. Like, because I remember I remember the trailers for that thing vividly. It was like, Spirit Stelly of the Cimarron coming Labor Day. And I guess it was 2002, and that means that Road to El Dorado came out earlier than that, and that fucks me up. Ah, it's fine. We are dangerously off topic, which I feel like is going to happen with this episode because t- Bill and Ted doesn't even stay on topic. Yeah, we've already hit all the high marks. We've hit bestiality. We've hit Christopher Walken. I mean... <laughs> I, we, we got Brian Adams in there, Brendan Fraser. We're going to get sued at some point. Nah, we're good. <laughs> they're celebrities. They can handle it. They're, they're probably used to it at this point. Anyway, so what John does bring to the table is a, a lengthy and, like, historic novel of fucking cocktails and i believe this week he's not going to actually make you a cocktail but he's going to give you a little history lesson john take it away buddy yeah, so uh, in the spirit of this episode being a little bit more, uh, you know, relaxed than usual, I thought that I would do something a little different. You know, we're going to talk about the history of alcohol, or at least kind of a synoptic history of alcohol. We're not going to, like, deep dive any of it. We're not going to talk about any specific drinks or specific spirits or anything, because, frankly, there's a lot that you could say about a lot of things in the alcohol world, uh, but we don't have time to do all of that. It's one of them 
that most of them involve alcohol. Yes, that is true. In fact, they all involve some kind of alcohol. Awesome. Yeah, so uh, let's take you all the way back to the beginning. So, like, I want to say, like, 9,000 years ago, so, like, 7,000 BC. That's, like, the earliest recorded use of alcohol that we have. So it's in China, and they have found, like, containers that have a residue in it that suggests that they were making some kind of wine-type product out of, like, grapes and, like, herbs and rice and honey, and that they were fermenting that into uh, what could be used as an alcoholic beverage. That's the absolute earliest, but really, our best first use of alcohol comes from Mesopotamia and Egypt, and so that's where they started to make beer and wine. So I thought for maybe this episode, in keeping the spirit of being relaxed with it and not getting too crazy about stuff, taking it easy, dudes, uh, we're actually going to talk about the history of alcohol, because, I mean, Bill and Ted's a movie about history, more or less, or it's at least about time travel, so you can time travel with alcohol knowledge. We're not going to get, like, too totally in the weeds about, like, specific spirits or specific cocktail, because believe it or not, each one has uh, a lot of history of its own. Anytime you have people that care a lot about something, there's going to be a lot of information on it. Right. Just like I care a lot about, you know, movies and uh, Disney parks. You care about alcohol and coffee. Yeah, 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 yeah. Good stuff like that. So uh, why don't we take you all the way back to the beginning, and we're going to talk about the earliest known use of alcohol, which actually comes from China about 9,000 years ago. They found little, like, vessels, little containers that have a residue on the inside that suggests that they were making a type of alcoholic beverage from rice and honey and grapes and herbs. So sake. It was actually an early form of sake, which is a a type of rice wine, yes. Uh, This isn't really what we would consider today sake. It was totally different, but had a similar kind of ingredient list, I guess. Um, Right. This is maybe not the best example, though. The most, like, intact for sure history we have actually come from Egypt and Mesopotamia. So this is going to be closer to, like, five-ish thousand years ago, um, where they were actually making beer regularly and even had wine for special occasions. And that's, like, wine that we would consider wine. So it's believed that, like, we first came across alcohol fermentation uh, in the wild. So, like, you would either find, like, fruits that were falling on the ground and they got fermented, or you would leave, like, a a type of grain slurry, like a type of porridge out in the open for too long, and it would start to collect, like, a wild yeast culture. And so you could use those things to then make alcohol right? You could harvest the yeast. So some dude was just like walking by, let's say an apple tree. And he saw like, there's an apple that's been sitting there for a long time. And it's got like some like, you know, some yeast and like some goo coming out of it. And he went, oh, that looks good. And then he put it in his fucking stupid mouth. And he was like, hey, I bet if I let this go longer, it turn into liquid. And then I could, you know, maybe feel some type of way with it. Like maybe, uh, like maybe it'll make me fuck better. I don't know. I think you're underplaying the intelligence of a person that lived 10,000 years ago when we today have Jankum. Jankum is it's the crux of humanity. We're, we're done. We, we did it. We solved every problem. I You can now make not. drugs with your butt. It, no. Okay, so <laughs> we, let, let's get back on track with history here. So uh, they would actually make like a, an early type of beer and it was included like a, like a staple food. So it was something that you would get with a meal. It was something that you would eat or consume every day. Generally used, again, for like meal replacement or for storing away food that you couldn't otherwise store away. Uh, Same thing with wine, is that if you have a bunch of grapes and you can't eat them all or you can't do something with them, you can either make preserves with them or you can make wine with it. And wine probably sold for a whole heck of a lot more money, so 
so why would I not make wine with it? Um, in addition, yeah, sometimes... People, jam has kind of been out of style for at least 4,000 years. Wine, timeless. Absolutely, it's timeless. So, uh, yeah, th that's where you get the importance of alcohol in society. Some people are using it for food replacement. Some people are using it for longevity. Some people are using it for, like, uh, religious ceremonies. That was also pretty common. Uh, moving on through history, you have, like, the Greeks and the Romans who uh, drank wine frequently. This is like a daily occurrence for them, and it was their preferred go-to method of drinking because, I mean, it was this or it was maybe dirty water, so why would I not have wine when it tastes better and I can get drunk on it if I drink enough of it? So they kind of looked down on other people in and around Europe for drinking beer because, like, people in Northern Europe were drinking beer. Believe it or not, mead had been invented by this time as well in India. Yeah. Uh, we come to think, uh, come on, you, you would much rather drink today's mead than yesterday's mead, right? Like, come on, mead from, like, 3,000 years ago? I, I mean, I don't know what the difference is. Like, are you saying, like, drink the mead 3,000 years ago, 3,000 years ago? Or, like, find a case of mead from 3,000 years ago and drink it now? Because if I find a case of mead from 3,000 years ago, I'm fucking selling it. Okay, I... Yeah, sure. It belongs in a museum. It belongs in a museum! And right. money belongs in my pocket. Yes, exactly. Think about how much uh, night train you can buy with all that money. Oh, dude, no. Cocaine and hookers, man. Uh, not where I was going with it. Uh, on the record, I, I don't like that. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to like it. It's just like, what else are you going to do with millions of dollars? You could, like, get a new house. You could pay off your parents' stuff. You could pay off all your stuff. You could make sure that, like, your kids, your great-grandkids could, like, have college could go do whatever the fuck they wanted to do and then you still have millions of dollars left i mean what else are you gonna do with it like you just gotta go debauchery man like cocaine and hookers there you go i guess that's uh wise words from zach let's get into some of the fun stuff so this is distillation uh, another technology Ooh. that originates in uh india believe it or not um and what we get like proper pot still technology it's like 600 or so years ago in europe that's that's where we first start seeing that type of thing so how distillation works is you heat up an alcoholic beverage like a beer or a wine or something and it collects the vapor alcohol that's evaporated off of the beverage and concentrates it on the other end of the still so if you ever see like a moonshine still where it has that big corkscrew helixy thing basically the entire purpose of that is for the gas to cool off and become a liquid again and drip out the other end mm, so like if so uh th this is how moonshine works that it, it is exactly how moonshine works moonshine is essentially just a very very primitive form of distilling a hard spirit is that why it can make you go blind uh that's the idea basically if it's contaminated or has anything else in it or it wasn't done properly it, you could potentially get something in it that could hurt you uh and, and that's why we've had so many problems specifically with distilled beverages throughout history like uh when gin first came to london there were like a couple of distilleries that were authorized by the crown to make gin like properly and over time those laws went away everybody started making their own gin and they would start cutting it with stuff because they didn't know how you know oh what do you mean drinking turpentine is bad for you yeah they, they didn't get any of that because it's like i don't know like 1689 1728 some shit like that and they don't know how that works so why didn't why didn't they go like the champagne route where they were like oh only real gin is from ginevra i uh good question zach i don't know i don't know why that i guess there's just not as much pride in it gin is super easy to make it's basically just vodka which we'll get there so basically when in doubt when in doubt if you if you are trying to sell a product and you can't get it to move it go the pretentious route why do you think marlboro sells itself as a premium product I, uh, yeah.
yeah, I guess. I, I, <laughs> there are so many reasons. There are so many reasons why that's not cool. So in this particular case, yeah, that is how you get those low run spirits, and that is why they end up hurting you. And it's also why you don't see this type of problem usually with beer or wine, because if it's tainted, you can taste it. Really? I, I guess I've never had tainted alcohol. I guess I've been lucky. Right, <laughs> yeah. Uh, if you've ever tried your hand at brewing beer or wine, uh, it's, again, the yeast die before it reaches about, like, 15% alcohol, so you can only do so much without proper distillation, and it, when it's that low of an alcohol content, you can just taste, like, this tastes rotten, this tastes rancid, this tastes like it has something really bad in it, and you don't want to drink any more of it. With, like, a distilled spirit, that may or may not be the case, because the ethanol taste is so overwhelming, you may not be able to pick up on those little things that could tell you, like, hey, is it just really crappy gin, or does it have something really bad in it? <laughs> do I feel like, do I feel like starting a lawsuit today? Maybe I'll keep drinking. There you go. Yeah, as long as you survive. Um, so yeah, that's where hey. you get your uh your, your basic uh, distillation techniques from. You have like uh your rum is made from sugarcane, so they just take the sugarcane, they process it down, usually make some kind of molasses out of it, and then they make like a big sugary mix, add the yeast, and then they start evaporating off the alcohol. And once they collect all that alcohol, they can store it in barrels, and that's where they get those certain like dark flavors from. Uh, brandy and cognac are gonna be kind of a similar situation where you take wine and you take leftover wine and you uh, heat it up and the alcohol is going to come off of it and then you store it back in like an oak cask or something and it's going to give it that characteristic oaky flavor that you would normally get on a brandy whiskey similar situation where you get like a, a mash of like corn and other grains and uh, when you ferment it you boil the alcohol off and you collect it and you store it in a barrel that's where you get your flavor from fundamentally most distilled spirits are the same until you store them after the fact there's some differences there like a tequila for instance you make tequila from a god a similar situation you take that agave you mix it up in a big big container and you ferment it and then you boil off the alcohol uh silver tequila is aged in steel for like zero to six months so you can just take it straight out the tap and sell it and that could be a silver tequila product as long as it has enough agave in it but it does have that distinctive flavor that does come from the agave it does retain some of those elements gin is similar right so gin is basically just like a grain spirit that you put a bunch of flavoring into it could be like uh juniper it could be coriander it could be lemon peel orange peel whatever those types of things go into making the classic gin flavor and then when you boil off the alcohol it holds on to some of those aromatics and that's where the flavor comes from so are we discounting the fact that whoever came up with alcohol might have just been a mom trying to get rid of thanksgiving leftovers okay uh i like the angle here and i think if uh distillation was popularized around the time of the american thanksgiving holiday that might hold some water but uh considering it is much older than that i don't think that's the case you're pretending like we haven't been eating turkeys every november since the beginning of time wake up john you're being i uh, yes you're right someone was was eating turkey in the month of november whether they knew what the month of november was or not forever that is probably John, true there is that's why they separate time the way they do there's before comerica and after comerica so you know what i think you just need to brush up on your history i hate this i hate this <laughs> hey if politicians get just make shit up so can i all right so that that is a uh, a basic history of alcohol and a basic background of most types uh, there's a couple more obscure varieties like uh in central america they used to make uh some kind of like white cactus beer and that, that was like a thing awesome. they would drink 
<laughs> I, I wonder I wonder if they if someone's job was specifically to just get the pine needles out. Oh, I'm sure. I mean, you get really good at it over time. I'm sure you can just hack off whole, like, segments of needles. Oh, hell yeah. Like, I mean, like, did, do you think they it was like Dr. Pimple Popper? Like, they just pop them out? Uh, nope. Probably not like that. I think they would use, like, a small knife, maybe uh, some kind of flint nap arrowhead type contraption, and they just, like, shoop, there it goes, you know? Uh, you have... I, th- I, I, think, I think I would feel weird if, like, my life had come to skinning cactus lot or cacti sorry not cacti skinning cacti alive like how did i get here this is a very strange thing i'm doing right now i think you were just born in the right place at the right time you know uh just like enjoying some of the other weird alcohols out there like uh cobra whiskey what the fuck is that it's literally alcohol with a cobra pickled in the bottle and so you uh drink it and it's supposed to get you really really messed up as the story goes like the cobra venom gets like chemically changed when they pickle the cobra in the whiskey and so it's then like edible like you can drink it and it it's supposed so it's like to... a whole cobra oh yes it's an entire cobra inside the bottle like how does that how does it not you know what i don't want to know i'm right good on that where, this where is you, like a... where do you even buy that this is something that you would get in like a touristy place in thailand okay i mean i guess if it gets you fucked up whatever but that's I mean, people, the idea yeah people I think literally you... huff shit fumes so i guess cobra cobra whiskey shouldn't fucking surprise me that much yeah, i just feel like cobra... i'd be like Ugh. cobra whiskey sounds like something like a code name cobra whiskey you know like it's kind of cool but code name huffing your own poop gas it, it just doesn't it doesn't have the same ring to it you know but i feel like if you were trying to be really secretive and you had to be on public channels if you were like calling agent calling agent shit gas calling agent shit gas like the fbi agents would be like all right come on we're good i i yeah whatever so I, <laughs> there are some weird alcohols out there that we didn't touch on but uh fundamentally that's how it all happens you know you uh have something with sugar or carbohydrates in it you add yeast it ferments now you have alcohol so you can either concentrate the alcohol or just drink it as is and that's where 99 percent of your alcoholic beverages are going to come from nice i mean i feel educated i'm sorry that I kind of shit on everything you were saying. Uh, we did bring up Jinkum a lot. We did bring up, we got to stop that. I think this is the third episode in a row. Yeah, we just keep bringing up Jinkum. We're, we're secretly selling Jinkum. Like, go to foryourinformation.com and it literally just goes to, all right, I took this shit today. Who wants it? <laughs> Venmo me. Uh, nasty. Can we sell Jankum through OnlyFans? No. I mean, Bill Delphine sells her bathwater and her piss, so I don't see why I can't sell my poop for drug reasons. I just it's not I, illegal. You can't because I won't allow you to. But John, what if I get all of that money and I pay off your house and I pay off all of your college stuff and then we do what all rich people do? We go get cocaine and hooks. Again, don't like it. Okay. <laughs> Alrighty. Well, I'll get off my bullshit and uh, onto some new bullshit. Uh, just like I bring the movie knowledge, John brings the cocktail knowledge. We invite our good friend Frank Synopsis to give us the synopsis knowledge. Frank, how you doing? buddy i'm doing just fine uh fresh in off the bus fresh in off the bus what does the bus like smell like these days frank are they keeping it clean uh yeah you could say that there's a lot fewer people using it in fact uh when i get on the bus usually uh, i wait around for a few hours uh there's a lot of other buses around uh we don't go anywhere and then i get off the bus and go home oh so you just sit on the bus you don't like the bus doesn't go anywhere uh yeah sometimes i go meet the bus at its house oh okay. <laughs> making house calls frank sinatra
synopsis. All right, buddy. So Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. What? It, this movie heavily involves time travel. Uh, what? How do you feel about time travel, Frank? Well, I don't really have a concept of time. We've established this already. I don't really keep track. I don't think it's something super important. I wish people would spend less time doing it. So, Frank, I have to ask you something. Do you exist in all time simultaneously like Dr. Manhattan? Don't we all? Uh, no, we do not. I wish that we could. But then again, I guess you could be, you could like be experiencing living and dying at the same time. And that is fucking frightening. But anyway, Frank, so did you get a chance to watch Bill and Ted while you were visiting the bus at its house doing God knows what to that muffler? Oh, of course. Yes. Uh, this actually reminds me of the golden days back when there were phone booths all over New York City. Oh yeah. And you could sleep in them. And a multitude of other things if you were creative. Yeah. You know, change into a superhero. Um, do cocaine, find hookers. Um, yeah, you could do a lot of stuff in New York City phone booths. On the record, don't like it. <laughs> you and John both. It's almost like you're the same person. All right, Frank, if you could give us a, a brief synopsis of Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, go on. Bill and Ted are metalhead high schoolers who are about to flunk their history class. They study all night to no avail. Then a time-traveling phone booth appears from the sky, and a man named Rufus tells Bill and Ted that they are the saviors of the universe, and in order to keep the universe in balance, Bill and Ted must complete their history project. They go back in time and kidnap all of history's most prominent figures. That is a great synopsis, and honestly, it sounds like something you would have written, Frank. It makes absolutely no it's almost like it doesn't. It's almost like it doesn't, because it doesn't. All right, Frank, um, if you got nothing else, uh, we got nothing else for you. Uh, please enjoy your 525 uh, weekly paycheck. I think it's kind of fucked up that we tell people how much we pay you. But I think it's good to put it in perspective so people know what our budget is. Well, I would have put it on Glassdoor anyway, because I'm just that kind of guy. Hey, that's great. Uh, please just give us a five-star, uh, you know, employer review. Not that I think that we're going to be hiring anybody anytime soon. Uh, yeah, no problem. I'm gonna go find a bus barn. A, a bus barn. All right. Don't want to know what that means. See you, Frank. John, are you back with us? Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know how Frank's been getting around. I mean, you know, with all of the craziness going on in 2020, I don't think public buses are quite what they used to be. Um, I... <sighs> Our producer told me that he's been seeing, like, little pizza fragments and, um, bus magazines laid about around the basement of the, uh, of the office building, so I'm pretty sure Frank is sleeping here, but he's not sleeping in our office and in our studio, so it's really not my problem. What is a bus magazine? Um, I don't know. Uh, he, I asked him what it meant, and he said I don't want to know, so I can only assume it's, a uh, dicks and mufflers. That's all I can assume. Alright, uh, don't, don't like it. On the record, don't like it. <laughs> I'm, I'm doing a lot of shit you don't like today i apologize all righty so let's get into the meat of the episode i think we've uh we've done enough i think i think we've done enough to get your attention now it's time for some learning uh john did you some learning earlier and now i'll do you some i don't like how i worded that i don't like a lot of things i'm doing today i don't know what the fuck's wrong with me all right so we're gonna start with some of the you know basic info we call this the wikipedia info section just because this is like if you just open up wikipedia pull down that drop down menu you'd get all this information right there but i'm gonna give it to you right now so you don't have to do that because uh who wants to fucking read we're not gonna have to read in the very near future so we should just go ahead and start now mm -hmm. i'll read for you <clears throat> 
All right, so Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure was directed by Stephen Herrick. It was produced by Scott Krupp, uh, Michael S. Murphy, and Joe Soizan. Uh, it was written by Chris Matheson and Ed Solomon. And stars, da-da-da-da, Keanu Reeves as Ted Theodore Logan. Alex Winter as Bill S. Preston Esquire. Don't know how he gets to put Esquire at the end of his fucking name. Uh, I think that's reserved for lawyers, isn't it? I honestly have no idea. Uh, can you just put Esquire? Can I put Junior at the end of my name even though um there's no zachary graham senior i don't know i don't know if you get that kind of privilege from i don't i I mean i don't think it really means anything i could technically i mean i'm sure there's been another uh my full name (laughs) out there and i could technically say i'm his son and i don't think they could really stop me but anyway i digress uh and this film also store stars the late george carlin as rufus uh, the music is by David Newman, cinematography by Timothy Sustrit, um, edited by Larry Bach and Patrick Rand. Uh, the production companies are Interscope Communications and Nelson Entertainment, and this film is distributed by Orion Pictures in the U.S. and by Delantris Entertainment Group internationally. Uh, it was released February 17th, 1989, so this is a rare occasion of a uh, actually decent February release. And uh, the budget for this film was about $6.5 million, and the box office return was $40.5 million. Okay, so uh, that's uh, pretty profitable. Uh, I think we almost got through a whole Wikipedia info section with believable pronunciations. I Yes, if you're following along on the Wikipedia page, um, first of all, fuck you. And second, um, yeah, I... I I think you will see that I did my goddamn best. Like, I I could not have done better. I tried to look up some of these, and I couldn't figure it out. We always do try our best, guys, no matter what you say. (laughs) No matter what you say, please stop commenting things. As a matter of fact, I'd just appreciate if anybody would comment anything at all. Same. (laughs) All right, so let's go through a little bit of the production. I don't really want to spend a whole lot of time on this because it's, uh, you know, not really that. It's it's Bill and Ted. Like, what what do you want to know? But I'll tell... I'll tell you a couple things. So uh, the writers of the film, Chris Mason and Ed Solomon, wrote Bill, wrote the Bill and Ted script based on a stand-up routine they did throughout the 80s in college. Hmm. So I'm so I'm. This is back in like the 80s. Comedy stand-up comedy was really weird in the 80s, where it was like everybody was trying to like not do what George Carlin was doing. Like they were trying different stuff, and like a lot of duos came out that time. We don't really see co- stand-up comedy duos a lot anymore i mean i guess the uh the lucas brothers do that but i can't think of anybody else currently that does that do we count as a comedy duo um we do but i think what we do is more considered like you know radio it's not considered stand-up because mm. stand-up you need a live audience i see maybe we should get a stand-up routine going i i think we could i don't see why we couldn't at least attempt to do that um maybe we could be the first uh skype and zoom call stand-up duo Director Stephen Herrick uh, knew that the film could be hilarious, but knew the challenges of making it work. He knew it would be either like a hit or a major flop. It it was going to go one of two ways. And it's because they viewed Bill and Ted as like a very like niche thing. This is for a niche audience. Yeah, I see that. Uh, I think it would have at least become a cult classic, even if it didn't get any real notoriety. Right, but studios don't really like cult classics because usually what ends up happening there is they'll sell, as we've discussed before, they'll sell the distribution rights to somebody else and then somebody else makes all the money. It's like, hey, what the fuck? Yeah, yeah, okay, I see how that could be a problem. Yeah, so, like, studios don't really count on something being a cult classic, although I would say a modern, like, um, like a way that a studio's done really well with, like, quote-unquote cult classic is how Universal has handled uh, Scott Pilgrim versus the world. Mm. They made a shit ton of money post-release on that thing. Anyway, 
So Warner Brothers wanted to do Bill and Ted. Like they wanted to do it really bad with a $10 million budget. So we almost got a $10 million budget version of this, which I don't really know if it would have been much different, but uh, they couldn't secure the funding. So Warner Brothers just couldn't find enough people that were like cool with this. Yeah, of course, for $10 million, you could probably get like a major celebrity to just read the script in its entirety on their own, like Michael Jackson. <laughs> Michael Jackson. I don't know if I'd want that. I've seen Captain EO. I'm good. Every character is Michael Jackson. That is terrifying, actually. Like, I don't I don't know how well that would do. That seems like it would be a very time and place thing. Like, I feel like everything in, like, the, you know, early 80s to, like, early 90s was Michael Jackson and then post-Michael Jackson, because everything post-Michael Jackson is, like, completely different. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Uh, this is, what, 1989, so you can get a young Kurt Cobain? <laughs> if only Kurt Cobain would have been an actor. Yeah, Jesus and Christ. if only he would have agreed to do anything involving hair metal whatsoever. Yeah. Uh, he was very anti-hair metal, which, I mean, is grunge really that far away from hair metal? In hindsight, like I... maybe not. But, I mean, in the moment, yes. Two completely different things. True, true, true. It's all perspective. You know, we're we're viewing it, you know, like 20, 30 years onward. They were viewing it right then, and it was like, oh, man, grunge is so much heavier and darker than hair metal. It's like, well, hair metal is dark, but you just gotta wait. Like, hair metal was gonna be dark eventually in retrospect. Right, 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 right. Once you uh, didn't have your field of vision full of just skin-tight pants. Yeah, and when you see what those dudes look like now, and it's like, oh, God. This is dark. Yeah, yeah, like Axel Rose trying desperately. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, I mean, he's the frontman of ACDC now, so I mean, hey, whatever. What dystopian future are we living in? I don't know. I mean, it doesn't really offend me all that much because, like, I only really like Appetite for Destruction by Guns N' Roses. Like, everything else is okay to me. And then, um, you know, I've never been the biggest ACDC fan. I think ACDC sounds like, you know, when you think what rock sounds like, if you put rock into, like, you know, a generic info generator it would come up with acdc okay i see what you're coming from like if you gave uh if you gave aliens rock and roll music acdc might be the one you had to give them it i mean if you want to just like the basics like this is what rock and roll is that would be acdc but i mean like i just i don't know like acdc has never been my favorite i don't know why it's just it sounds so bland to me even though i know that acdc was like revolutionary back then but it could also stem from the fact that i fucking hate the sg like the uh, the SG, uh, the Gibson SG. I just think it's the stupidest fucking looking guitar ever. Okay, so now we get to talk about guitars, and all of this is relevant. We're not off base because this is all a part of the movie, basically. Yes, that is true. It is true. We are off base, but I mean, like, fucking, we might as well talk about this. So, like, I fucking hate the way the SG sounds. I hate the way it looks. And most people don't even buy the Gibson SG. They buy the Epiphone SG, and it sounds even shittier. Okay, so there's a few problems with what you just said. The, the first problem is that you don't like the SG, even though it's fundamentally just a double cutaway Les Paul with a weird shape to it, which is cool. That That's good. That's fine. And it, it, what what is a Stratocaster, then? They're essentially the same body type. They, they are the same body type, but doesn't a SG have different pickups? Yeah, well, yes and no. Depends on the model you get. Some of them come with P90s. Some of them come with mini humbuckers. Some of them come with full-size, like, Les Paul humbuckers. Really just depends on the model you get. Just, I've never liked the way it sounds. Like, it sounds like... Uh, like, I don't know. It just sounds so basic. Like, I feel like there's no, like, you know, personality to it. Or I, th Tony that, Iommi would hurt you. That, or, like, I guess the SG's personality kind of sounds like a grandpa that, like, never stopped smoking weed and, like, you know, drinking Four loco. I, <sighs> there's a lot wrong with this. <laughs> 
without the SG, there are no modern guitars. You would have like the Telecaster, the Strat, maybe only certain types of Strat, and arch tops. That's like all you would have. The SG was like the quintessential solid body guitar that brought us all of the new models that we have today. But I feel like the uh, people who normally buy an SG now are just like, ha look at that devil horse. I, you know, uh... while, you know, while they text the 17 year old, you know, while they're being a 22 year old. I, d- uh, no, no. <laughs> you, you just, you've never even played an SG, have you? I have played an SG. Uh, I, I played it when I worked at a music store. I picked one up, I played it, and I was like, ew. And then the guitar guy was like, you're right, dude, it is ew. You're gonna pretend that we both didn't work in that music store together at the same time, and that's what makes us the most like Bill and Ted. That is also true. I didn't I didn't know if you wanted to mention that or not, but we did work there for a solid three months together. Yeah. <laughs> it was it was it was a good time. It was a good time. It was very far away though. I didn't like the drive. Yeah, the drive Why sucked, did... but you're surrounded by guitars. You're surrounded by guitars, and when there's no customers in there, you can just play guitars. And then, you know, go over to the the band section. Go over to like the band instrument section and go fuck with those guys. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Tons of fun. Uh the repair shop, you know, we have one of those too. Ah, uh, yeah, the repair shop. The repair I we we would have to get into way too many specifics to give away way too much information about people who may or may not want to be talked about so oh yeah, yeah, yeah. anyway so my whole thing with the sg is like i feel like it's just a grandpa guitar and it looks like shit and it just looks edgy to me like i feel like everyone in evanescence should have a fucking sg dude you have clearly never played any esp ltds i i i mean yes those two they're on the same tier for me like i mean i like classic looking electric guitars like um i think the classiest looking electric guitar is definitely a rickenbacker like 100 percent. we're gonna fight on this <laughs> you don't like the way the rickenbacker looks dude it looks slick as shit it is fine. It's a guitar. It feels like, um, it feels like a hang glider. I mean, it is, it is beefy. I will give you that. It's beefy. I think it, they're hollow bodies, aren't they? Most of them, yeah, I think are semi-hollows. Okay. I mean, semi-hollow. <laughs> I'm a little semi-hollow right now talking about the Rick. We Parker. have to move on. <laughs> okay. We have to move on. All right. Let's, 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 let's barrel through this so we can talk about more bullshit that doesn't matter. All right. $10,000 um, budget that they didn't get. <laughs> That <laughs> million. Jesus Christ. All right, so the movie was eventually picked up by Dino De Laudranis uh, through his production company. Um, the original script for Bill and Ted was called Bill and Ted's Time Van and was very similar to the original script, but with a few key differences. All right, so uh, Rufus in the original uh, Bill and Ted's Time Van was their 28-year-old friend who just so happened to have a time-traveling van. Uh, this was dropped mainly due to it being way too similar to Back to the Future, which had only come out four years ago. Um, even though it's kind of odd that they didn't think that uh, the phone booth was a little too close to Doctor Who. Uh, well, what okay, else? yeah, so that's the BBC. They exist over there in Europe land. So, like, you know, right. uh, th- they'll never know. They'll never know that we took this from them. It's their only <laughs> thing and we took it. It's that and the Beatles, again, with your Rickenbacker guitars. But, like... Hey, man. <laughs> I, uh, this, this, the time-traveling van is fine. I just think that, like, you have two ends of the spectrum. You have the time-traveling phone booth and you have the time-traveling hot tub. And in the middle is the time-traveling van. And the reason nobody 
uses a time traveling van is because of the potential for kidnapping. Exactly. Like you, you're gonna get hot bods, and you're you, there's a very real chance that a homeless person will end up in your van, but not in a hot tub and not in a foam. Right. Exactly. Like what kind of hot tub are you in? Where Frank Synopsis just shows up and pollutes the water with his nasty body broth. Body broth. <laughs> you're essentially just That's... making a human soup in a hot tub. Changed my mind. <laughs> just like uh, chicken noodle soup is basically just chicken bath. Yeah, exactly. Can I sell chicken noodle soup as a gamer chicken water? Ugh. No, that's like hot dog water, but somehow less. because there's less nitrates. That That's that's the problem. <laughs> we have to. Bond. All right. So um, in the uh, in the spec script, which is like, you know, the before final script, uh, Bill and Ted accidentally brought Adolf Hitler back to San Dimas. Uh, this was dropped for obvious reasons. How do you accidentally bring Hitler back? They didn't realize it was Hitler. How do you not realize and... it's Hitler? I don't know. Especially because this movie would have only taken place like a little over 40 years after the end of World War II. Yeah, when he was still alive in South America and or Antarctica. Exactly. Like, it's only now that we can get stuff like Jojo Rabbit where we can make fun of Hitler. Because it was almost 100 years ago. I, uh, not to be confused with who framed Roger Rabbit, who we've already discussed about turning into a war film. <laughs> Alright, um, the other difference is that they um they they had a scene in there where they went back and accidentally caused julius caesar's death um and i think that this should have been in the movie this is this is the last thing uh they befriend a caveman and show him how to light a fire so that they can light his joint okay so the caveman made a joint but he doesn't know how to make fire sorry wait sorry i said that wrong they show the caveman how to make a fire so that they can light their own joint oh and then they give the caveman a joint and i don't know how that didn't make it into the fucking right yeah of all things uh, maybe they're high schoolers and they were apprehensive about you know like showing high schoolers smoking weed maybe that's true but I'm also like, when you're already here, how do you not do this? It's 1989, so this is like uh, primo war on drugs time. That is true. Fuck you, Ronald Reagan. As soon as I get to hell, I'm fucking you up. So, anyway. yeah, like the CIA was dropping crack cocaine everywhere, you know. Uh, we had a Pablo Escobar thing going on, I think. <laughs> Ronald Reagan, you know, it was the 80s. It was a weird time. Madonna was allowed to have a career. Anyway, right. so just dropping hot takes all over this episode. You're, we really are. We, we've <laughs> talked about Hitler. We've talked about uh, kidnapping people in a time-traveling van. We talked about uh, gamer chicken bathwater. Anyway, you know what we haven't talked about? Casting in this movie. You know what else we haven't talked about? How bad I am at transitions. Anyway, so <laughs> these are some other actors that auditioned for the role of Ted were Pauly Shore, River Phoenix, Sean Penn, and dun da 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 Brendan Fraser. Told you he was going to come back. Uh, you know, uh, yeah, okay, Brendan Fraser, I guess now that you bring him up again, I see how he could have been a good pick for it. Uh, Sean Penn also would have been all right for this, uh, but I I'm glad they got Keanu. I'm super glad they got Keanu Reeves. Uh, Keanu Reeves actually showed up very early in the audition process, and casting directors knew immediately that they had found their tent. Like, they were like, this is the kid. We gotta get him. So did they just have to do as a formality, like, give an audition to all the people they had already promised an audition? Yeah, that's usually how it works. Like, they still audition because, I mean, someone might still come in and wow them more than, you know, Keanu Reeves did. But luckily, they had Polly Shore come in. And Polly Shore is uh, Polly Shore. So, you know. Yeah, like, hey, I'm uh, an orange. It, it, exactly. That I, I don't even know what you're trying to reference, but yes. It was Jersey Shore, <laughs> and uh, you're welcome. Uh, not the same thing. It, this is not Polly D from Jersey Shore. This is a Polly Shore from Sun and Yeah, Polly Sun uh, from Encino Shore and Man. D. Shore and D. That, that sounds like a, like a really shitty Sunny D alcohol mixed drink. Ooh, 
It's Sunny D and Rum, like from that one YouTube video. Hell yeah. Yeah, sure, because it's Rum and it's near the beach, and then Sunny because it's Sunny D. Hell yeah. People don't talk about Sunny D enough. Bring Sunny D back 2020. Also, oh, Tang? Right. We don't need Tang. Tang has gone to space. Tang has jumped the inevitable drink shark by going to space. We're good. All right. <laughs> all right. We, we, uh, we, I'm not, we don't need to talk about that anymore. That's that's all, <laughs> all that needed to be said. That's good. I, I think I think we've I think we've hit the bottom of the barrel for uh, orange drink humor and topics. I th- I don't think we ever have to bring it up again. Nope, we're good. I, I thought we. W- I thought we would have hit the Jankum bottom of the barrel, but apparently we haven't. So Well, considering anyway. how it's Jankum, the bottom of the barrel is usually the the goal. <laughs> Moving on. Uh, Alex Winter got the uh, got the role of Bill because he got along so well with Keanu Reeves. Like uh, they met or like they met like while they were setting up for an audition and they uh, got along so well that the casting directors were like, they seem like they're friends in real life. Let's put them on screen together. No, seems like a no-brainer. Seems like a no-brainer, especially with a $6 million budget. They're like, hey, will you do it for $100 and a partial college scholarship? and they were like uh i guess um that is not true that's not what happened but close basically enough. close enough uh george carlin was cast nearly by accident uh the producers wanted eddie van halen to play rufus but you know with a six million dollar budget you're not getting 80s eddie van halen that's true that's true he's got other things to do he's got other things to do like cocaine and hookers and not get um, along with sammy hagar very well oh man that that beautiful time when uh, Van Halen was Van Hagar, and it it's still Van Hagar, isn't it? Or did they go back to Van Halen? I uh, I don't I don't know. I don't know anything about that. I just know they had three singers, and I think they went back to him. Yeah, I think they did. But when are they gonna stop being pussies and just let Rip be in the band? Uh, you know what? That is the real question. That is the real that question. The when real are we getting Rivers? When are, I mean, they're coming out with an album called Van Weezer, so I think he's I think he's trying to prove himself that he can be in Van Halen. Well, anyway. they've been hurt before you know like a scorned lover and they need the embrace of a truly committed singer because rivers cuomo i think has basically done what he can weezer i'm sorry weezer fans i think weezer's run its course for sure 100 percent. since anyway. the green album uh, make believe really uh, uh, yeah and the red album's not bad the red album's fine what about hurley um hurley was a I think Hurley is only considered a good album in, like, the fact that it came after Ratitude. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, like, Hurley has some good, like, tracks on it, but it's only really, like, beloved because it, uh, came after Ratitude. <laughs> anyway, um, so, other rock stars that were considered for the role of Rufus were Ringo Starr and Roger Daltrey, and, uh, other actors like Sean Connery and Charlie Sheen were considered for their quote-unquote rock star quality, but I don't really know how you get rock star quality out of Sean Connery. Yeah, I guess it depends on the type of rock star. Are we talking about like a Sultans of Swing rock star or are we talking about like a Metallica rock star? I, I don't know what they mean because Sean Connery would definitely have to be like, I guess, um, what's, uh, What's a Scottish rock? Like, what What would we have a Scottish rock star at that time? Uh, not the Cranberries, Not Ailstorm. Anyway, we have to move on. Uh, so, George Carlin had just wrapped up a, a, a co-starring role in Outrageous Fortune, which shares producers with Bill and Ted, uh, and the producers were able to convince him to play Rufus and finish the filming, because apparently they'd filmed every scene that was uh, not with Rufus. Mm. So that's why Rufus doesn't have a lot of screen time. I see. That's kind of a... I don't want to call it a plot hole, but that's a little bit of a plot hole. It's a little bit of a plot hole because Rufus should have definitely been helping them. Like, why would he have left them to their own devices? Other than maybe if it was to teach them a lesson. I don't know. You decide. <laughs> I didn't write this thing. You left two 16-year-olds alone with a time-traveling phone booth. And they didn't even go back and bang any fucking... Like, they didn't go back and bang Marilyn Monroe. Fuck you. I... 
No, we're moving on. I'm not going to, no. <laughs> this film actually shares a set designer with uh, Monty Python and the Holy Grail, uh, Roy Ford Smith. Uh, the people from Bill and Ted were like, hey, let's get that guy because he made, you know, really good, low-budget, you know, medieval sets. So why not get the guy that's best at it? And I guess uh, Monty Python and the Holy Grail wasn't that old of a movie at this point. No, it really wasn't. It was, what, like 12 years, 10 years, something like that? Yeah, about as far removed as we are from, like, a Scott Pilgrim version. Uh, that's crazy to think about. Don't think about it. Don't think about that shit ever. All right, Um. so filming took place over 10 weeks, including two weeks in Italy, and a principal photography took place in... You'd think it would be California. This movie takes place in California, technically. Right. Uh, it starts in California and ends in California, but they actually filmed it in Tempe, Arizona. Oh, that's fun. Yeah, it's... Just, I mean, I guess with the low budget, it makes sense, but it's just like, damn. Like, I can't think of a single movie that's supposed to take place in California that isn't filmed in California. Like, well, you know, I was like, actually kind of surprised by this. That's the thing about Tempe, Arizona, is on the sign where it says, and now entering Tempe, Arizona, it says, the poor man's San Dimas, California. I wish it did. I really wish it did. Um, anyway, so, um, the, the time booth sequences were actually filmed in front of a green screen on a, uh, on a, like, a swivel set. So, like, um, they would, all the actors would be inside the thing, and it would actually, like, you know, <laughs> it would, uh, turn upside down, it would turn sideways. It sounds fucking dangerous, and, uh, Alex Winter said the shoots were difficult because so many people were in the booth, and you'd be, like, bumping up against each other the whole time. And Keanu Reeves called it a death ride canoe from the worst carry ride that you've ever been on. Ah, I see. Okay, so... Uh, sorry, can I do that again? Sorry. Yes. A a death ride a death ride canoe from the worst carny ride you've ever been on uh can we use the word carny anymore is is that um, out of vogue i i don't think so like i mean I, like what do they want to be called um <laughs> amusement of the night i no <laughs> that, that's not happening <laughs> okay. quit trying to make amusement of the night happen <laughs> the amusement of the night anyway um uh, you know what can we do that can we make a musical or an opera called carny carny it's like carmen <laughs> but like way creepier <laughs> and the, can the sequel be carne asada no <laughs> You want to Absolutely talk about the production of this thing, John? You haven't even seen the West Coast yet. I'm not going to allow you to make carne asada jokes. <laughs> okay. What? I mean, what's the difference between carne asada there and carne asada here? Like, they put French fries on it and put it in a burrito? No, put they put the carne on asada on the French fries, not the French fries on the carne asada. It all goes in the burrito. It doesn't fucking matter. I, uh, you'll come out here and you'll see. Okay, I don't even eat beef. I'm not going to see. All right, let's talk about post-production. So, the original cut of the film was actually two hours long and they said you absolutely have to cut that down so uh, I, I like that <laughs> i love it when they, i love when Go they bring ahead. 120 minutes of content to the table and they're like absolutely not <laughs> Whereas today, like that's like a minimum. It's like, oh yeah, you, at least you didn't go four hours. Good job. You're not a, you're not a Fincher or a um uh, or a Nolan. But they said no one is going to watch two hours of this shit. Cut it down again. Christopher Walken. So Christopher Nolan. I fucking hate. That's not how that works. All right. So uh, one scene that the, that they ended up cutting was a pretty intense opening number featuring a Bill and Ted era guitaring in the room. It was like a choreographed scene, and uh, the scene was actually thought to be lost until. Alex Winter found some stills on an old hard drive, which I don't know why he had them on a hard drive. There's probably a but. lot of things on that hard drive he forgot he had. 
uh, Kenny Ortega is said to have choreographed that scene. And if you don't know who Kenny Ortega is, uh, he directed High School Musical. Oh, that's fun. Among other things. Uh, so DEG, the distributor, fell out, fell into significant debt around the time of post-production and had to drop out as the film's distributor. So, you know, they'd already filmed the whole damn thing and then they just dropped. Nice. Um, they they ended up finishing the film on their, the, uh, the writers and the director ended up finishing the film on their own money. And then they uh, shopped it around. Uh, they did some tests, some test screenings at malls and like, you know, stoner kids liked it. So a small bidding war uh, the film ended up going into the hands of Orion Pictures, who still own it today, surprisingly. Now, here's a question for you, and I think we're going to touch on some of this in the next section, but um, this came out right around the time of, like, Dazed and Confused and movies like that. So, like, what movie kicked off this, like, high school stoner counterculture revival film type thing? Uh, probably, I mean, like, it was just kind of a thing then. Like, probably, like, Ferris Bueller, The Breakfast Club, um, Fast Times at Richmond High is probably what you're looking for I Your, see. you know risky business like that kind of thing like edgy teen comedies eventually gave way to less edgy but still like you know counter culture e um teen comedy movies like bill and ted does that make sense yeah yeah it does uh i'm honestly glad that you brought up ferris bueller's day off because this is the ferris bueller's day off movie we deserve i i don't know what your fucking beef with ferris bueller is but i guess you don't understand my beef with the sg so we'll never truly understand no we won't she is a fine guitar she is a fine guitar. She's a fine. She's got knobs like a doll's knobs. Anyway, what does that um, mean? <laughs> I, I don't know what it means either, but we gotta move on. I'll have to talk to my therapist about it. All right, so two sequels were made out of Bill and Ted. Uh, Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey, which came out in 91, and uh, the aforementioned Bill and Ted Face the Music from 2020. That's this year. Mmm, bad movie to release, or bad year to release a movie. It's doing quite well, actually. I mean, like, it's only really showing at drive-ins and uh, VOD, so it's uh, it's kind of interesting. It's doing pretty well. It's definitely not doing a New Mutants money, which is the first, like, big release that came out after all of this shit, and uh, movie theaters are starting to open up. Um... Which, by the way, New Mutants sucks. I've heard. I, I don't. I don't know anything else about it, but I heard it's not great. Um, several video games were made for Bill and Ted. Uh, coming off for the NES, the Game Boy, the Atari Lynx, which you don't ever hear fucking anything about, and uh, the Commodore 64. Ah, uh, yeah, Commodore 64. That's the console I want to play Bill and Ted's on. <laughs> I'm going to buy a Commodore 64 just to watch or just to play Bill and Ted. Jeez. Not worth it. Just like I'm going to eventually buy a Laserdisc player just to watch the unedited versions of star wars wait what that exists yeah that's like one of the only ways you can watch the unedited versions of star wars has somebody not ported those over to like digitals that you can download from like some backwards reddit hyperlink oh i'm sure they have but i just want to like actually have the physical media because i'm a i have a fucking mentalness Oh, okay, I see. It all makes yeah, sense now. It all makes sense now. Speaking of right. mental illness here, remember back in the day when you could get stride gum and, like, people would insist that you can just chew the gum with the wrapper on it? I know. Did people say you could do that? Yes. Um, were those people fucking with you? I don't know. I didn't, I, tried, I like, chewed, a, okay, so I got one fresh piece and I was like, this is dumb. Are you sure? They were already doing it. Like, they were, I was watching them do it. I was like, are you sure? This seems really shitty. And so, like, I put, like, one bite in it and I was like, no, nah, I'm good, man. I'll, I, whatever. 
it's fine. And then I kept seeing people do it. And I was like, this is not real. You cannot keep doing this. Please skin your stri- your stride gum before you eat it. We we know it's hard. And skinning is not everyone's favorite thing to do. But I promise the juicy, delicious innards are going to be worth the skinning. You got to peel it like a banana. Nobody would eat a banana with the skin on it, right? Right? Yeah. I've, I've seen people attempt it. I mean, it's like, I think the thing that people don't understand is like, it's not a skin on the banana. It's a husk. And husks are hard to eat. It's like uh, not telling someone how to eat a um, a tamale for the first time. Ah, uh, yes, we've talked about this. And then they try and eat the whole thing because Racetrack doesn't tell you how to eat tamales. And I guess it's not really their responsibility to tell me how to eat tamales. But I definitely bit all the way into it and tried to eat it while I was driving a car. And that was not great. And it's not one of the highlights of my life. Anyway, that's not this movie. Um, so two animated series were made. Uh, one with Reeves, Winter, and Carlin reprising the roles, uh, and one series with the voice cast of the live-action Bill and Ted series, which was also a thing. Uh, all three only lasted one season. That's better than lots of them did. It's true. I mean, it lasted longer than um, what what did they call it? Uh, the, the Ghostbusters uh, animated oh, series. Real Ghostbusters. But, no, Real Ghostbusters was the officially licensed Ghostbusters like uh, the movie. I can't, I guess uh, I guess uh, just Ghostbusters was the, um, you know, wh- whatever that uh, monkey and uh, two old men one thing was. That sounds really bad. I'm going to edit that Speed Racer? Out. Speed Racer! Anyway, yeah, it's basically Speed Racer, but with ghosts. I... Anyway. What? <laughs> D- uh, DC Comics ran a tie-in comic for um, for the Excellent Adventure film, while Marvel did a 12-issue standalone series that had nothing to do with the film series. Interesting. So are they just dudes hanging out in San Dimas in that series? Yeah, it's kind of like Archie in real life <laughs> like oh riverdale no 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 not riverdale jesus christ i would never i would never send anyone there but like archie in real life is like a series of comics that's like really dark archie where like he gets like shot and shit spoilers i it's not a spoiler no one's gonna read that uh, a lot of people did read it because then they uh made an uh afterlife with archie operative which is, word uh, being did read <laughs> i don't i don't know if anyone's like earning to it right now but i mean riverdale's pretty popular so i'm sure people are into it right now but anyway they did an afterlife with Archie comic book series, which is uh, the Archie cast uh, in the uh, post-apocalyptic zombie future. <sighs> Alright, cool. So, um, what's his name? I, I keep wanting to call him Abraham Lincoln, the guy that plays, uh, Rick Grimes on The Walking Dead. Oh, um, Andrew it, Lincoln. Yeah, 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 not Abraham Lincoln. That's a totally different thing, because Abraham Lincoln, Vampire Hunter, is already a thing, and I'm pretty sure there's a spinoff where he fights zombies. You're thinking of Pride and Prejudice and zombies, but they're by the same author, so it's Ah, uh, okay. right, right. Uh, see also Dawn of the Dreadfuls. Gee, I hadn't heard of that one, but I'm into it. Anyway... Um, to finish this section out, uh, at Universal Studios, uh, Florida and Hollywood, Bill and Ted had their own stage show during the Halloween Horror Nights, uh, rebanner, um, titled Bill and Ted's Excellent Halloween Adventure, and it ran from 1992 to 2017. Okay, so is this actual Keanu Reeves doing this? No, dear God, no. He's too busy with, uh, making Cyberpunk 2077, whenever the fuck that's actually gonna come out. Yeah, right? It's like the biggest tease of our time. It really is. Like, I was so excited for that game and I was like oh this will be the game I play through the summer nope it's gonna have to be the game that I play when we're all uh, stuck in our house again in November right wave two bro wave two bring it on you know what coronavirus if you're gonna fucking do it just do it kill all of us this time Jesus 
right? Don't keep me waiting. What are you waiting Don't, for? What are you waiting for? I need these student loans to go away. I know they've halted them for now, but I need them to go away permanently. Anyway, speaking of, you know, death wishes and whatnot, let's talk a little bit about uh, how Bill and Ted kind of plays fast and loose with the way time travel works or should oh. work. Yeah, like, here we theoretically. go. theoretically. So, uh... Bill and Ted, basically, like, you can do whatever you want in time travel. Like, there's really no consequences. Like, nothing changes in the future. Which is, like, in stark contrast to, like, several other, um, time travel movies. Like, uh, let's take, let's take the, like, the, um, what would have been the most current time travel film to that time, which would have been Back to the Future. Which is, like, uh, you can't interact with your past self or future self. Uh, things are affected and things are affected if you change the outcome of events in the past. Even though Back to the Future kind of, like... It doesn't matter how you get to uh, what had already happened. It's just so long as you make that thing happen and only slight, slight little things will change. Like your dad will be cooler for whatever reason. Okay. Yeah, sure. Um, I think you're playing by uh, Harry Potter rules. Yeah, th that's uh, that's kind of um, Prisoner of Azkaban rules. Mm -hmm. Where yeah, like prison rules. Prison rules. <laughs> We're playing by prison time travel rules, which I don't know what that means. That means you gotta avoid the Dementor. You gotta not become a werewolf, and you have to um, uh, make thirteen-year-olds seem way more capable and mature than they are in real life. Exactly. You know. I do sometimes forget that they're only, like, you know, 13, 14, 15 in those movies because they just look so much goddamn older. Even in the last one, they're supposed to be 17. They, oh, sorry. Yeah, and they definitely weren't because Daniel Radcliffe was definitely showing his full penis in Equus at that time. Yes. <laughs> the full thing. Um, I would say Bill and Ted and Back to the Future kind of make up the Avengers Endgame um, time travel theory where, like, uh, you could change things because you can. And uh, I guess Endgame kind of goes with the thought of like things were always supposed to happen this way so like time and time travel is the reason that they happen which i guess is kind of like um uh terminator or donnie darko yeah because they definitely do change things like they take that into their advantage they can basically just make shit happen under the guise that they will go back and do it after the fact later right and bill and ted goes into that a little bit where they're like okay we have to remember to set up this tape recorder and we have to remember to set up that trash can i it's just at that point you're just grocery shopping like you're just making a list and hoping you get it all right. Right. And like the key, his, uh, his dad's keys, like the, the jail keys. Right. Which I never understood that. Like, why the fuck would anyone who has, uh, like, has the keys to the cells, why would they be allowed to take them home with them? Like, that makes no sense. Uh, you know, 1988 was a different time. You know, uh, there were a lot more trusting. People didn't lock their doors. Uh, actually, that's not true. Serial killers were a thing in the 80s and 70s uh, yeah. and 60s. So, yeah, more, more so in those times. Serial killers don't really show up as much anymore. It's not really a thing because it's too easy to get caught. Yeah, anyway. now we have TikTok to keep people satisfied. We've got uh, Twitch streaming. So instead of going out and killing a bunch of prostitutes, you know, people are just streaming games. Exactly. Or you can just go on to OnlyFans and, like, you can pay money for a bunch of people and you don't actually have to, like, know them. Yeah, put yourself in danger by showing anybody else your butthole for money. Hey, man. If you can show people your butthole for money and, you know, make, like, ten times what you would have working at McDonald's, that's cool with me i'm fine with that i support it yeah but anyway. for those of us that don't have marketable buttholes it kind of puts us in a disadvantageous position i mean john have you tried i think your butthole might be profitable i don't know i think it's the wrong color i don't want it that means just bleach it then jesus all right anyway um so uh i get and bill and ted kind of also goes with the it's a wonderful life rules 
Ah, uh, yeah. Can inter- you can interact with people, but only if it serves uh, to make you a better person or serves the um, the message of the story. And uh, Bill and Ted is like, I think Bill and Ted is probably the most egregious time travel story where it's just like, you're telling me there's no consequences for what they're doing? Like, especially because they got Abraham Lincoln, like, a little bit post-Gettysburg address. Yeah, Like, he yeah, definitely had shit going on. Right, and he was also due to die pretty soon thereafter. Yeah, exactly. So, like, uh, why wouldn't they warn him and tell him to just stay where he's at? Good question. See, these are the types of things we need to ask. Just like how in Back to the Future, you can't go on a date with your mom. Well, you can go on a date with your mom. I just don't know what that'll end up meaning for you. Because, uh, I mean, because in Back to the Future, the whole thing is, like, he starts disappearing because his mom might want to bone him. Like, if he put his dick in his mom, would he start, would he just immediately disappear? Or would I, he, like, get a few pumps in, like, that has? I hope nobody ever isolates the things we've said in this episode. <laughs> oh, man. You know, maybe if we ever get big one day and we have to act, watch what we say yeah right right people use this against us right yeah because the internet's not a thing and it's not archived forever exactly like i i are you uploading these because i'm not anyway um uh i think that's about it like i mean you know like bill and ted is definitely not as like serious as like the butterfly effect where like every little thing you touch fucks up the future don't even bother going back right 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 or like terminator rules where uh, there's giant arnold schwarzenegger machine monsters trying to kill you and if you die you die if you die in the game you die for real uh, yeah spy kids I've, I've, rules spy kids. <laughs> like who thought that that was a good idea to be like if you die in the game you die for real i um, <sighs> for kids like kids can't handle that anyway um John, do you have anything else about time travel in films or time travel in general? No, I, I would like to amend your last statement that kids can't handle that in the game. I mean, if they can handle using the N-word on Xbox Live, then I think they can handle the concept of dying for real if you die in the game. I feel like that time is past. <laughs> you feel that way. But is it so? I, I hope it is because, like, I remember that, like, and that's why I'm, that is why my chat is always turned off anytime I'm playing anything online. I don't want to talk to people. I just yeah. want to feel like I'm part of a community for five minutes and then i want to fuck off there you go see this is what growing up is like and this is what it's like to no longer be a bill and ted type exactly and it's pretty sad like honestly i wish i could just go smoke a doobie with a caveman i wish i was still at that point in my life and i think i think that's why bill and ted indoors i don't think it really picks up any new fans but i think it keeps its old fans like pretty much at bay because i i guess this would be like our like for what bill and ted would have been for someone in the 80s would have been like our wayne's world or our um what would have been like a stoner do it like our seth rogan and uh james franken ah right 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 yeah uh, it's a good stoner duo uh you got uh this is the end you got a hot tub time machine you got um ginger dead man evil bong um no those are we don't count those that's blue moon and that's all you buddy i don't want that i don't or blue did i say blue moon it's also yes. a beer i'm not really fond of <laughs> unless it's on tap and i get a uh little orange orange slice with it that's fun you know anyway. you can just put an orange slice on your pint glass at home but john it's not from it's not from the tap it's not the same i don't like it it tastes like flat fucking miller light and i don't like miller light anyway anyway um i think that's gonna probably bring about a close to this episode john do you have anything else to say i don't uh don't travel back in time this podcast may not exist if you change things Uh, that would be so weird if like this was the only thing i think it would be pretty inconsequential to the rest of the universe you know what who knows maybe we are like bill and ted and in the future infamous podcast will be the wild stallions of the year 2688 i i want to i want to see it happen um cool big if true yes we have to go back in time and collect individuals to help us keep our timeline straight so that
that the future will have Infilmation Podcast. Hell yeah. It's we, we have to go back in time and sell people on Infilmation Podcast. Yes, door-to-door oh, podcast salesman. The only podcast that was big in the 70s, but produced now. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> we're, I'm going to stop now before this gets too off the rails. All right, for four-year Infilmation, I'm Zach. And I'm John. Please give us a like and a share. Uh, go give us five stars on Apple Podcasts so we can get more shitheads like you in here. And uh, watch a new movie. Do something different. Go outside. Uh, the world is yours, kind of. Uh, maybe it'll be yours next year when we can all go back outside again. Bye, guys.